Okay, two dogs when they're stuck together. have you been doing i'm doing okay marley just making it through the first uh couple of months of uh fatherhood you know yeah. How about you yeah no i actually just reached my first years of fatherhood my hey. turned, he turned one recently so that was fun damn congratulations thanks thanks congratulations to you I, I think indirectly we're letting people know why we were busy and why we didn't record anything <laughs> you're probably for those one for the ones that don't that, that don't know they're gonna be like oh like you guys just left us hanging in actuality doing daddy things baby daddy things hey we've been cl- wiping asses more not just our <laughs> own we've been wiping other asses <laughs> uh, <laughs> wiping asses making bottles you name it fuck Bur- been doing burping, it all burping babies Burp. <laughs> yeah Dang. how so, you been You've i've been, been pretty okay i've been busy you know school wise and life wise and you know those kind of things i mean it was after the new year and after that episode kind of things kind of just like piled on so i was really mm-hmm. kind of slightly grateful that we kind of took a little break yeah and, yeah. and as a result of it i um kind of figured out some things that i want to do in the future like at least academic wise and, and i'm working on my proposal for my phd you know you know how that reads get you dr marley lester <laughs> i had time to reflect on like being a dad and podcasting and shit like that which is nice because you don't really get that opportunity very often and it's not like i'm, I'm saying that these things are mutually exclusive but you know you, you have priorities and then yeah. i was i was like damn even when we were starting up, I was like, fuck, I think I lost it. I don't got that. I don't got that charm anymore. <laughs> yeah. Same, man. I was like, what are we, how do I like tackle this? How do I talk on the podcast? It's been a long time. I think one thing that also, that was kind of a barrier because I, I have been staying home just because of the pandemic and I don't trust anyone, you know, anyone that's sick and stuff like that and having a new baby. I'm like, Yeah. I am not going to be hanging out with people that just don't want to wear their mask. I went back to my class to like pick something up from the law school that I saw all my classmates. I was like, holy crap. I haven't seen these guys in like a month. It was, it was fairly interesting. Cause they're like, Hey Cody, how you doing? And then I felt kind of like antisocial. I was like, I gotta go home. Gotta go back to my baby. No, that's, that's a fair, fair reflection. I mean, I, I, I'm still like that, to be honest. Like I, I'm very cautious to wear a mask and wash my hands and I limit my time in public. I, I The one thing I really miss is going to the movies, whether it's with people or by myself. I really mm-hmm. miss the movie-going experience. And, you know, Batman came out, and I was like, fuck. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, the things I definitely miss is uh, probably traveling, driving anywhere when I felt like it, and the things I won't ever take for granted ever again, sleep. Holy oh. fuck. God, you have, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned it. I thought you were, yeah, I miss drinking nail. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking pecking my bowl. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I feel you on that. Like the first couple of months with the kid is you have the least amount of sleep you've ever had in your life. And the reason why it makes it more difficult is because you have like a major responsibility. Like I remember I didn't sleep very well, but I think after, I'm going to say two months your body just acclimates to it and you kind of don't notice it as much. I mean, you're still tired, but it's not as a, of a big issue or an obstacle. You know, it's interesting because uh, this morning, our our son, he does like four and fours. We try to keep it four and four or at least three. We have two rounds. His first round starts around four and uh, one to five-ish. And then he wakes up for a good hour or two. And then he has another four that we try to really, like, we try to just knock him out as good as possible. But uh, this morning I woke up and I felt like kind of refreshed. And I was like, this feels really weird. I feel kind of like I'm not tired, but I know my, like my body's super tired, but I was like, 
I feel kind of nice today. It's like my first day in six weeks. <laughs> Earlier this week, I had a day like I felt like I slept well and I actually did not have any fatigue or anything. And I was like, that's weird. I don't know how that happened. I think there's a golden period too with like newborns. I think I want to say from between three to six months is this time where they're like really cute. Their personality starts to come through and they're kind of about to giggle. The, the best part of it too is like they still sleep, but like they can't roll. So they're not mobile and you kind of can mm-hmm. just play with them and they're easy to like, you know, take care of and you can kind of read books with them. That's kind of like that little moment. I miss that because now mm-hmm. our kid is like starting to walk and it's just like a little bit scary because I'm like, oh shit, there's, a, there's all these things are sharp. I'm, I'm pretty much a helicopter dad at this point where I'm just hovering above them. And I don't know if I'll ever not be hovering above them. Make a bungee, like, uh, and then just make it like a mechanism where like you can somehow hold him up or just like just have him within your reach. So like if he falls, like he's going to be on that bungee everywhere he walks. <laughs> you know, he had to swing for a little bit that he that we like put up in the on the uh, ceiling and then it like had these like really bungee cord types of contraptions <laughs> and he'd sit in it but he didn't really sit in it very long and you know it's supposed to give him a feel of how to walk and whatnot and like balance themselves but yeah he didn't he didn't really get involved with it as much he kind of just started he just like stood up one day and we we're like oh shit he's and then took a step recently i think two weeks ago and now he's doing eight to ten steps he hasn't really okay. started fully started walking yet oh man that's exciting our our little one uh is starting to hold his head up and starting to like catch balance of his head and it's like so much relief because before you had to be like really like like cautious with them especially when they like they kind of flinch or like they have a little twitch and their head goes back oh freaks it just freaks you out you're like oh chill out chill out and then um so now he's starting to get that the whole muscle movement going starting to get the whole muscle movement down God, <laughs> no, I, I feel you on that because like with because sometimes they just throw their their head back like our kid used to do that a lot. And like <laughs> it was just kind of scary, you know, like he he came out kind of small and like very fra- frail looking. And I was like, oh, God, like I was just like scared of holding him like the first like day. I was like, I can't do this. But then the instincts kind of kick in or, or whatever that might be. And you're like, oh, OK, I can do this. But for the first month and a half, I was really scared. I was always like watching him. And then even when I walked and carried our kid, I was like making sure like things were like five, like three feet away or I'd, I'd like kind of use my hand. I was like really overprotective. One of my really good friends, uh, he, be, you know, he's just recently like a dad within the last like three years too. And he was like, just remember kids are very resi- resilient. Like they can bounce back pretty fast. So like, don't be scared. Like, Everyone has those like basically anxiety woes. I was like, oh, okay. So now I keep that, try to keep that in the back of my head, especially when he's crying. Yeah. Like something about a, a baby's cry just clicks within your brain. It's instinctual. So, but I try to keep him back in my head. Like this guy, he's either crying because his diaper is wet, is uh, he needs a bottle, he's uncomfortable, he's hot. You know, I just go down the lines and try to check him all off until I find one. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's, it's like a long, I mean, the, the curve is pretty fast, but it's like, it's a continuous curve. Like you learn different things at different times, but then once you get the hang of it, you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. I think the one thing I want to work on. Okay. So I got to ask you this question. What's one thing you want to work on right now? Like what's your next thing that you're going to work on with your, with your son? Well, uh, for sure. He's at that age now where he can hold himself up. He's standing. This isn't necessarily, I don't know if it counts as working on, but more taking him outside and letting him play in the ground and like in the dirt. Because when he was born, you know, he was born in the spring. And so like the time he started to like play and everything, it was in the middle of the winter. So I'm looking forward to spring, taking him outside and just letting him play in the dirt, which we kind of started because it was a little bit warm this week. So I'm looking at that and getting him acquainted with that and then i think skill wise like really working on his balance and walking oh man there's actually a lot of things i'm thinking about kind of getting him there's like certain we have an app and that we have that like lets us know like oh these are some skills he can be learning right now pretty much following that you know like being able to identify things and i'm me and tatiana are really adamant about trying to get him to learn sign language like to 
to communicate that way because we were told that like a lot of babies frustration that at a very young age due to the um, stem from the fact that like they can't communicate. And so if you're able to do that in a nonverbal way, it really helps them be like pretty chill and like helps them learn to communicate. So teach him sign language for like, if he wants more food, milk, or if he wants to go for a walk or if he's done little things like that. What about you? You can hear my son in the background, by the Aww. way. <laughs> he just came in. He just woke up from his nap, little dude. Dang, right at, right at, right on time. Like you just said. Yeah. I, it was funny. I was texting Wiley. I was like, I think, um, I think he's going to wake up about, um, six o'clock. I, I don't know. I'm, I, I try to really, try to get his time down which is kind of hilarious because i always try to plan it out like as soon as he does his first round of sleeping i'm like okay he's gonna go to sleep around like like in around like 30 minutes uh and then we're gonna try to knock him out because like one thing i always kind of freak out about is like if he's not on a schedule that means that he's just gonna go wild and we're not gonna have a good night so i really try to like make sure that i understand this uh his schedule like right now he's getting pretty hungry which is pretty normal it's it's funny because he, he'll stay up for an hour up until seven and then he'll crash out for an hour and he's witching hour from like eight to twelve and he just stays up like he he just is he, well like one thing i'm i guess for me the next skills i'm working on is kind of getting his motor skills up so i've been reading with him um uh, doing baby i call it baby yoga like stretching stretching him making sure that he like fills things and reaches for things and it's been like he's been very uh vocal like he's starting to do his his noises and then he's also been like moving around a lot uh, and i'm trying to help get his like his neck up and running so but i was gonna say marley like what is the hardest thing about like trying to help a kid uh walk uh, I, for me, it was, it's the hardest thing is just like getting over my own anxiety of like letting him go on his own or giving him some space to like get confident in walking. For the most part, I think it kind of just happens. Like we didn't really plan it. He just stood up one day and we're like, oh yeah, he's at this point where he's starting to want, he like, there, there's a desire to move around more than just on his knees. A couple of weeks ago, he took his first step. Uh, and, and then he like pivoted and then, you know, little things like that. Now he's at that point where he just wants to like completely crawl around the house. I'm trying to learn to like, I mean, besides hovering, like eventually when he does walk, like let him have some space, but also keep an eye on him and, and, and trying to like balance between my own fears, but also giving, you know, his little freedom, his little sense of space. So we'll see what happens. Cause I'm just like, oh shit. Like, I got to watch you, you know, make sure you don't <laughs> run off or like, you know, get crushed by something. Cause that's, I've started to look at his environment and to see what could be a potential hazard. And, and so like, that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's funny. They came out with this uh, new study about like how they're taking away baby words. You're not supposed to put a baby in a baby walker. Uh, yeah. I saw that. Of, yeah. And I was like, damn, I'm in a walker. Everyone in my whole family has been in a walker. And I was like, it's sometimes it just, I can understand why you put a baby in a walker just because you can put them in there and like can do household chores. Right. But now I'm kind of disappointed because I was like, ah, that would have been nice to put like <laughs> No, what you got to do is get a baby carrier. Like that's one thing that really helps because at, at some point they're going to like be able to lift their head and like hold their head by themselves and like when our kid reached that point of view, it made it easy for me to do other chores. Like I would just kind of strap them on or my partner would strap them on and we could do the dishes or if not like go for walks that really helped, you know, and there's only so much you can do when you're holding a baby, but when you have like your hands free and you're like, all right, I can do the dishes or I can move around and not be stuck in one spot. So I recommend getting that a baby carrier. Dang. I, I saw that you have ergo baby too, right? Hell yeah. You using ergo. I got ergo baby 360 yeah same here shout out to ergo baby <laughs> yeah tatiana really like did her research on a lot of things and she's part of like her, a mother's group on facebook nice nice i didn't really do much more before our son came because like more, more concentrated on like trying to finish my my orders for my little you know side business um and also law school but god dang it, i i commend them for like 
having the research skills because <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like they're talking to me about like May was talking to me about different like products and oh let's go try this one. I heard this one's good for you know like one thing is like how sensitive baby skins are. Yeah. The, the, so we had to like we, we thought you know oh we'll try one. so we tried it like got a little bit uh kind of like irritated skin. So we're like, okay, we tried this one. So we're like, we were experimenting a lot. And I feel like the first three, four weeks is like troubleshooting your child. Yeah. And it's, it's intense because like you'll get like a little bit flustered, but like it's, uh, for example, we had to like, we bought a big old bag of like uh, diapers. Okay. Oh, you can hear my mom. Another <laughs> uh-huh. thing, grandmas are the fucking baby wizards, like whispers. It, like my mom is just the the greatest like she is i made my son a, his uh cradle board and my mom has like showed us how to like swaddle him and put him in the cradle board and uh like it's so funny because he'll be going wild he's just getting pissed off and everything like that but as soon as his grandma grabs him he just like chills chills out it's insane no no i agree oh. i think what really was helpful was tatiana's mom you know, baby's Masan and, you know, her experience having kids as well really helped out. Plus, you know, when me and Tatiana were really exhausted, she took over. She like held him and let us sleep in. And those were like the best. That's like your number one thing is if you have a kid sleep, like you have to plan your whole day around sleeping. And, and that might mean like taking a quick power nap when they fall asleep or like doing a lot of the chores when they're asleep, et cetera. My life was a little bit more organized back then. Now it's getting a little less organized because his sleep schedule is a little bit weird. And he's going through his own thing right now where he's transitioning into like a longer sleep period during the day. So like anticipating like a three hour nap and that being his only nap during the day. So we're just going to see what happens. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Cause like right now our son, he takes like, I think it was two, two, three hour naps in the day. And then he, he, he sleeps pretty good at night, like two, pretty good two to um, two, four hour at most, uh, like sleep, like pretty good sleep at night. And that's nice. Cause I'm like, okay, if I can at least try to add eight, eight hours, uh, within those, those time frames, then I'm pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, we I cannot stress enough sleep. Like I I'm I love sleeping now. I gotta ask Marley, who is who's a dad that like you don't have to say their name, but like who's a dad that just inspires you? Like you're like, damn, he's a dad dad. You know what I'm saying? I really can't. I can't like I mean, besides like the people that I know, but like yeah, I mean I just have a a, a better appreciation for folks who raise their kids, you know, or mm-hmm. you know. Cause it's, it's not easy. And I did notice sometimes I get a little sensitive. Cause I, like, I get, I get a little like peeved when I see like people who don't have kids and they're like, Oh, I'm a dog mom. I'm a dog parent. I'm like the, comparing a dog to like a human being. And yeah, I'm being anthropocentric. I don't care. I'm like, no, these are not the same. Like you can't claim a kid. I mean, I know that sometimes they're joking, but sometimes they're really serious. Like, Oh, I have so much response. I'm like that. No, you could leave a puppy on its own. And not and and not have to worry about it. But like with a kid, it's like 24-7. I do have a, a much larger appreciation for just dads in general, you know, and and the effort that they put in. And and even moms too. Like, wow, it sounds like secondary when I say, and even moms too, but like like in general, just parents, like the people who step up to raise kids, uh, whether it's their biological kid or not, you know, I, I really appreciate it. It's given me the experience if we're going to get academic like social reproduction or like un unpaid labor of people who raise kids and the fact that that type of labor isn't paid for it's not really you know people don't take it seriously and yeah so like now thinking of that and all all the necessary like work that you have to do i think tatiana told me like being a mother is like having a job two jobs or two to three jobs and it, it makes sense and i think as like a dad I'm really trying to pick up the slack with that, whether it's like, you know, chores and whatnot, or even thinking about just like planning so that Tatiana can have time for herself. People may not admit this, but sometimes you just like, you're, you just need a break. You know, I think those moments are something that I've, I've been very, been trying to be very attuned to. Yeah, I totally agree. That's one thing I definitely am starting to learn. Like, 
I be like parents now. I'm just like, damn, like your kid, their kid's like 10 years old or something like that. And then kind of look at them. I was like, holy crap, you went through probably all the same stuff that I went through. But then like your kid's like 10 years old. And I'm like, holy crap, that's insane. I, one thing that I've been kind of, as like, you know, young parents that are still like 18 or 20 years old, stuff like that. I'm like, holy shit, I would not have been able to do this when I was 18 or 20. You know, I don't, I didn't have the patience that I, I do now, but I'm like, damn. And like, God dang, you know, young parents, you, um, one thing I also started to pick up a lot is like, oh, like to be a good partner in those situations. Cause I think one thing that's really hard to find is good, good, uh, father figures. <laughs> it's all, it's all sad home early. I know y'all, I, I haven't seen a good dad nay. I haven't seen any fucking good dads today. A lot of like, I don't know. It's kind of hard because, you know, I mean, that there's good dads in our generation, which I, I like because I see them that they're starting to like do a lot of. But I think the our parents' generation, you know, it's really hard to find a good dad that was like always there, you know, a patriarchal thing or just always trying their best. Uh, and I just... Thing I had like a problem with for the first even for the two months before we had our child I was just having a big problem with that for some reason because I was like damn I don't know how like how to gauge myself but I think when you're in the and you know Marley can talk about this too if you if you'd like but I think the thing about being a dad is that like not compare yourself to other dads and you start to understand that your child is totally different therefore your parenting skill is going to be totally different and as long as you're trying and, um, you know, reinforcing and being a good, like a good parent to your kid, I think that's all that kind of matters. Very similar to that. I like you at the beginning of the month or the beginning of like having a kid, you know, I thought about my own dad and I was like, damn, dude, you didn't step up. Nay. Uh, but, you know, it made me appreciate like other people who were father figures who did step up, you know, moving away from that and realizing like, okay, like people have their own ways of doing it healthy or not that then made made me realize like you know i can't really compare myself to other people i just got to do what i do and learn from any mistakes that i've made but also in general though even parenting between your kids like whatever um like yeah even like like with tatiana she told me she's like yeah every pregnancy is different every like child's going to be different and you know like they're never really the same and so I was like, oh, okay. So when we have like, no, so, so when we have another kid, they, um, you know, if we have another kid, whatever, <laughs> I, it's so awkward, but if another kid were to occur, you know, like I, like, I can't really, I can only look at how my experience now and then compare then and maybe, maybe see like, oh, what's different, but also realizing like, sometimes it's not really going to be a one-to-one thing. It might be apples to oranges, you know? And, and now I'm at that point where I'm just like, I just appreciate anybody that raises a kid. I'm less judgmental, you know, and or not that I was before. Yeah, I guess I was a little bit, but I, I do. I, I appreciate the more nuance and complexity of being a parent. Yeah, it's I'm glad you like talked about like how you just kind of look at all parents kind of like that. You're like, as long as your kid's like healthy. And that's one thing. It's like I was such I was always kind of very judgmental with like parents. I was like, oh, you know, they should have done this. They should have done that. Like, watch your kid. What's wrong with you? But now I'm starting to understand. I was like, damn, I guess going into more of an analysis of like material can do. But I feel really bad for like a lot of parents that are definitely in the, uh, that, are, that are poor or they're working class people because like, you know, they're raising children. It's so easy to say, well, you just got to, you know, and you know, work your ass, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but the, a lot of the people that are saying that, they have the ability to like have nannies. They have the ability to have, you know, their own parents come around because their parents are like retired or their parents funds or, you know, they already have a career. And it's really hard for poor communities because, you know, um, they're always working eight to 12 hours every day. I reflect upon like a lot of uh, my partners, like, uh, you know, a lot of her sisters and a lot of, her cousins and a lot of her relatives that are that are moms and they're working their butts off. I'm like, damn. So they had a full-time job 
they come home and they can't get a good night's rest. And then the next morning they repeat it, right? You know, these are the moms that are walking to work. These are the moms that wake up at five in the morning, work up until, you know, five in the evening. And then they go home, they feed their kids and, you know, the kid cries. And I was like, God damn, no wonder why they don't have a lot of the time for, for their kids. They're just trying to jumble it, you know, juggle everything. You know, I was raised by a single parent. So I, I was really already prone to not being biased. It's, I find it very interesting, though, that there are people who are raised by single parents who then fall into repeating conservative talking points uh, that are racist and classist, like, you know, welfare queens, et cetera. And like, oh, poor people, if, they, if we give them free money, they're not going to, they're just going to become lazy, et cetera. I, I like, I, I find those folks interesting because I'm like, how did you, how did you not learn from your experience? And I think there's something about the ideology that's so embedded with the uh, ideas of parenting that are, um, you know, economic in, in nature in a sense that like, oh yeah, you know, we, we shouldn't really support parents or, you know, you have to be married to be supported or whatever the state has qualifications on as to what deserve, who's deserving and who isn't. I had my kid during the pandemic and when it came to this big old bill that I guess we're going to kind of start transitioning into politics, but like this big old <laughs> bill of like the build back better that Biden was trying to push. And one of the things that was very crucial to that was the child tax credit, you know, Joe Manchin and Christian cinema were like, nah, we, we can't mainly Manchin was like, nah, we can't support that. Cause, and, and he reproduced that. He's like, they're just going to become, he didn't say welfare queens. And this is coming from a Democrat who might be more center right of, of West Virginia. But like, you know, he, he, he skirted that line and he was just like, yeah, these people, they're just going to become dependent on the, on the, on the federal government. And that's a, that's not good for our economy, you know? And I'm just like, no, like that child tax credit, like lifted a lot of people out of poverty. Biden couldn't, as far as I know, I can't remember. I, I kind of stopped following it, but Biden didn't include it. And a lot of his build back better uh, agenda was just scrapped and really diminished. But I was like, yeah, that's a lot of like working class mothers who could have really supported, needed that in the coming years. And, you know, the federal government, or I should say the Democrats couldn't muster up enough political will to do so, especially during a pandemic. And so, you know, I, I, like I said, I, it's made me really reflect on reproductive labor. For me, that was something I, I kind of was always on, on my periphery. Anytime I was trying to read about, I like, yeah, I think between December, January, that's all I read about because I was just trying to think about like, how are these like questions of parenting related to larger questions questions about political economy now that I'm a dad and you know I'm like damn how do I get some of that money too at the same time you know because I'm just like ah yeah we're, we're lucky because we work from home and we have Tatiana's family is very supportive my family's supportive but you know we're we're more we live with her family whereas a lot of people might not have that support system yeah I when uh when I think because of the pandemic and what you're talking about like it kind of solidified my views about like universal care and universal like housing and you know universal like like food right um and i was thinking about like you know all the the moms that live in you know this is getting kind of kind of real nay no jokes here any um this, this serious time damn it <laughs> but i uh i always you know think about the moms that are um really trying their best and once like i've seen moms that live in hotels like you know hotel rooms with five children right and they're just trying to get by then you know i i see i see a lot of moms that live in the, the sun you know they're working they're working their butts off and everyone has the audacity to be them like lazy or oh, you're just like this, or you're just like that, just because they have a more wage job. I think that solidified my views because now being a parent, I'm like, fuck, it would be, it would just be fucking nice to have, um, you know, a couple, like a hundred dollars for fucking groceries each month, or just be a little bit nice to have baby powder that's, you know, that's semi, like, I guess, free. Uh, that's kind of like a buzzword, um, you know, that is given 
these parents and I'm like, holy shit, man, it's expensive. And that's the thing that sucks is that like people don't understand that. And, you know, my mom being a single parent, you know, I was talking to her about how'd you like do it with two kids and working two jobs or trying to look for a job, um, trying to find a house and all this stuff. And then the more I, you know, talked to her about it, I was like, yeah, I was like, man, this system is so fucked. And it, it, it just irks me to hear like, you know, I guess mentioning all these talking points about it's, you know, it's, it's fucking common courtesy just to do that for, for mother, for God's sakes or new families. That's my rant because I was like, I don't know, especially in a red state. I live in Idaho and goddamn, I can't even fucking get snaps. And like, and they're like, you need to work 20 hours a week. And I was like, the fuck, I'm a law student. <laughs> no, yeah, I feel you on that. I mean, I was going to say like the bureaucracy that's tied to these really crucial programs are heavily embedded in like neoliberal logic of like means tested. Like, oh, do you have enough income? It's like, or do you, where, how many hours are you working? And it's like, and it's all based on this like logic of efficiency and cost and it's just like it's pointless it's like why do we have to have these types of these really crucial programs have to you have to do all this paperwork that might even just deny you at the end of it because i don't know you worked an extra five hours or you didn't work enough hours like it's just like come on people need food and i think for me that was just like as a parent i'm just like oh like the u.s spends so much money on like defense and it prepares itself for war you know really has the coffers but it's like but the people in the u.s just don't have those types of things they don't have like necessary um the 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 infrastructure that cares and i think that's been really relevant during the pandemic you know and that's why i appreciate you know the navajo nation like people can criticize them but we did get some stimmies some people got running water and infrastructure you know, and they didn't have to worry about all this, like, oh, means tested. It's like, nah, dog, you got blood quantum. I mean, there's that issue too. But, you know, but the point being is it's like it improved some people's material condition. That's one thing I'm also really happy about is being Navajo because, you know, I'm planning on going, like, moving back home. But peace out. And, you know, have the ability to possibly, you know, put a little house on it, have a little, like, you know, a little farm. Little oh, that you're referring to like a piece of land, like a home site lease, or yeah, yeah, like home site. Like when I talk to other people, I feel real bad for them because I'm like, oh, you know, I'll talk about, oh, I'll get like two acres or something like that, right? And like, and you know, it's 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 cheap. It's like twelve bucks, or I think it's like twelve bucks a year or something like that. The process is expensive, but yeah, in the longevity of it, it's so cheap. You or are you just like inherit someone else's home site lease? And yeah, then you just do that. I mean. Like now that you're on that point, like, yeah, like I, with all these talks of apocalypse and nuclear Holocaust, you know, in some <laughs> ways we're kind of lucky. Like we have a very insular community. Or I shouldn't say insular, but like we have a community that's made that is based on like indigeneity and clan systems that, you know, you could always return to. And yeah. it's not perfect, but that's more than a lot of other people have. Like, you know, most people community is like, their neighbor their actual like spatial proximity to the people they live by and maybe through phone calls and whatnot but like on the res generally like people in your community that you can kind of i imagine you could you know reach out to or yeah you know and, and that will be more than enough especially extended family like oh my god like i you know i currently live out here in idaho but i could not imagine all right um, or I could imagine it, but it'd be a lot fucking harder if, you know, if, like my mom didn't come up because I don't have any family for, you know, for thousands of miles. And one of the biggest things is, yeah, I'm going to go home because like, it'd be so much easier if we can have like someone come over and watch baby for us, if we had to do something, you know, and it's so vital that like in our communities and one of the things I love about our community and like our family dynamics is, we can, you know, Navos are so tight knit and be like, hey, come over, watch your baby, blah, blah, blah. And they will, like, they'll come over. When I was talking to, you know, uh, a lot of uh, non natives and, you know, Belagana people, like, they'll talk about, you know, they had to hire a nanny or they had to, 
pay someone to come over babysitter and stuff like that or they don't have anyone and so they put their kid in daycare and i was like at home yeah ask grandma to watch him grandma's there the aunties are there and it's so much easier and it's like it's so nice i don't know i have a lot of admiration for the navajo kinship. you know i guess going back to your apocalypse like something that would like definitely keep us together is like your family lives down the road you just go check up on them but hey you got some food (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i feel you on that i i think that's one of the main reasons why we moved back from north carolina it's just like there's just a larger support system here yeah yeah and you know like let's just go home you know i've got ihs here i mean over in unc in north carolina like the fucking ihs is like three hours away yeah fuck that like we're going to shiprock where it's like 10 minutes away yeah 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 same here like even the ihs here i was like hey i called the navajo nation i was like can you cover me in the like, you, <laughs> you have to live near a navajo reservation i was like fuck you then <laughs> here, uh, shit. ain't good yeah. for nothing yeah. so i'll pass this uh particular um longitudinal or latitude you, you, your civ don't work now <laughs> as soon as you leave the four secret it doesn't work yeah, it, yeah so fuck. we we spent some time yeah uh talking about being dads and then kind of politics i was thinking we do want to end it on um some recent navajo news it's been a while i mean so much shit went down in the last couple of months but for our sake yeah. we'll just talk about i i have one topic i'm really itching to talk about I wanted to talk about Lizer's surprise uh, <laughs> announcement that he's going to run for Congress. I am not surprised. I don't think anybody was, to be honest. And and the reason why I wasn't surprised was every four years, there's like a Navajo who's like, I'm not going to be part of the establishment. I'm going to not be Democrat. I'm going to be Republican. Mm-hmm. And I kind of suspected Lizer was going to be that native, that Navajo slash comanche that's not a very passive aggressive like i i I added that because i like i didn't want to erase that a part of his indigeneity so shit watch out i know now some some people be like damn that came off really fucking passive aggressive but um comanche out there is gonna be like oh they're gonna start the the navajo comanche wars all over again fuck did we ever yeah like oh shit i didn't know that i thought we. (laughs) i feel like at some point we just like didn't really battle anybody battle everybody marley (laughs) yeah i'll take you i'll take it all at the same time no just kidding uh but yeah he he announced on twitter that he was running for congress uh i think it was arizona congressional district two which has been redrawn so i'm speculating that he saw how the districts were redrawn and in the district two is actually leaning more towards Democrats, which is why anybody who ran as a Republican just didn't win. Like Carlisle, he ran as a Democrat and then halfway through was like, I'm going to be a Republican now. And that didn't get him anywhere. And he had more, <laughs> I should say, more political connections than, in my opinion, Lizer. I think Lizer's attempt is going to be like, hey, this congressional district is more Republican now because it included some places northwest of Flagstaff. And, uh-huh. you know, it's generally a red state to begin with. For the most part, I think he's going to try to use that. But I don't, I think he underestimates how racist Republicans in Arizona will be. And that yeah. he's going to be running against non native Republicans, particularly white people. Yeah. And they're just going to gravitate more towards him. And he just has no connection. He really doesn't have a lot of political connections besides grandstanding for Trump or like speaking to, was it the Freedom Convoy that came through this week or last week? Amen. At this time, we want to give you the vice president of the Navajo Nation. Give a good hand clap warm welcome, amen. Vice president of the Navajo Nation coming out to us today. Uh, uh, really, and, and you know, taking photos with Trump, going to Trump events, and I just don't think that's going to offer him enough political currency to win. Because one, he just, it's not enough currency, but two, 
I just think he doesn't realize how racist <laughs> Arizona Republicans will be. I think it's funny that he's doing it. Oh man, that was fucking hilarious. That's I was like, damn it, Marley, get your uncle. Nay. Uh-uh. Marley's last name is Lizer, by the way. If he reaches out to me to be his like campaign manager, I I I don't know. I would I'd have to have him on the podcast. I mean, I wouldn't say yes because I have way too much more responsibility. But also, like, I'm never going to be a campaign manager for a Republican. I don't even think I'm a Democrat, but. Especially would, not a Comanche, huh, Marley? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> now people, people are going to be like, he's anti-Comanche. I'm like, no, it's not. God damn it. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I was curious. I, I thought that was pretty funny, but also really revealing of, like, politics in Arizona. Because we have Carrie Lake, who is, like, the Fox 10 uh, anchor person and she she's like kind of really like really getting close to trump like his last um campaign rally i don't know what the hell it was it's a rally you know carrie lake was there it's like yeah trump this trump that and I, i'm not claiming to be like the most political savvy person but i feel like there's definitely a difference um yeah i, I don't know i mean it's we we haven't even talked about new mexico uh well to be honest I'm just really happy that, like, so for me, I look at Arizona because I'm from New Mexico, and I'm like, I feel sorry for y'all. Like, ours is still shitty. We have shitty Democrats, but, you know. <laughs> at least your state's blue. Yeah, at least we got some good, like, health care, and now we got free tuition, so we good. That, that's um, smart, yeah. Yeah, but, like, goddamn, like, um, I guess being home, like, just being home, away from home, and I watch from afar, and I'm like, God damn, like, oh, missing out on all the action and stuff like that. But I think Lizer, the thing about Lizer is that he's probably having an uphill battle with like the Democrats because, of course, you know, he has very conservative, very uh, uh, neoliberal kind of takes about stuff. Again, you can hear my son in the background. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh. oh, he's offering his own political analysis. Yeah, he's like, getting all hungry right now oh i i did some i had to catch up with somebody recently you know do good old-fashioned facebook stocking to see what they're up to uh karen <laughs> bedoni i i oh yeah like you know that uh facebook page uh, that you and i follow but that person blocked me i'm not gonna get yeah. any clout <laughs> but um they i i saw that on that facebook page uh i guess karen bedoni had a recent live video where it the right she's accusing the republican party of trying to sue her to get her kicked out of the election how they went about it and i still believe it's the republicans because guess what who was sitting in the audience all the republicans the republicans are here they're fundraising and they're trying to beat me um the gentleman that sued me he sat there didn't say a word all by himself there was no other independents and there was no other people there so mostly republicans so yeah, it is them. Um, so we have to clean the top shelf of the Republican Party because I believe there are so many good Republicans out there. Our party is now run away, and that's why I had to do what I had to do. And I, you know, I feel good though. I feel and good. I get, they didn't win, but I guess like the Republican Party turned on her, and now she's running as a Libertarian, which is always what Navajos do when they're disgruntled with Republicans. They just go third party Libertarian. And I, I, and that's like another like case study, I think that demonstrates that Republican party, the GOP doesn't really care for certain types of people. They don't yeah. prioritize certain type of people or they really dismiss certain type of people. I don't have to, I feel like everybody listening knows what type of people I'm talking about. <laughs> Anybody that's not white, regardless of your political ide- ideology, they downplay it, especially if there's, is a white Republican running in that particular, um, district and and she's trying to run for like governor of new mexico or she was all like with trump and everything but it's like that's what i'm saying like lizer and a lot of navajos don't really realize that it's why i don't think they will unless things really dramatically shift we're yeah. never really going to have like a navajo republican in, in these particular districts I feel like Navajo politics are just a, either a libertarian or an anarchist. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happens. Or they become Democrats. Like, I mean, 
we, yeah. we you and I we don't really talk about Navajo Democrats. And maybe we should discuss an episode about our um critiques of the Democratic Party as well. Oh you know? yeah. But get out, yeah, get out yeah. to vote. The no, voting think, sacred, Cody. <laughs> no, that's one thing is like I'm starting to see is just well, they're I think they're they're going on the bandwagon of Trump and this you know anti-vaccine, these anti-mask, just hopping on the bandwagon because I, I feel like okay, this is my take, especially with Republicans. Um and if you're a Navajo Republican, I'm sorry, but like my take is uh, um, a lot of Navajos tend to be more Democrat, a lot more liberal. Um, but I feel like Navajos that try to be different, that are just tired, I guess, ways and not the old ways, but like the old guard of like Democrats, they tend to be more Republican because they're trying to be a lot more different in that sense. I think that's the psychology of them because every Never Republican that I have met, especially my family, they always feel like that. They're just trying to be different from everyone else because they feel like everyone's either like a sheep. A di- yeah. Yeah. Sheeple. Uh-uh. And they're like, and I'm just like, no, like, and then so when you, when you confront them all about a lot of different, like, you know, about uh, like, uh, for example, like if some, some act is going through, you confront them about it and they'll get like, they'll get very resistant about it, but they don't understand that like, you know, certain acts would help out the Navajo people, for example, you know, a lot of, uh, not Republicans, but like ultra conservative Navajos. Also, I feel like you're very, they're like self-hating Navajos. Cause I've heard so much rhetoric about like, our people are just lazy. They don't want to get jobs. And I'm like, like, Oh my God. But I, I always pose the question, why don't you run? And then, of course they make some like excuse. lame excuse. Yeah, and, they, and then they block you on Facebook, mate. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. There's a lot of dynamics working with like understanding political psychology of of certain people. And I think was it on our live that we had that discussion where we were talking yeah. about yeah, damn. It's for all those who didn't listen to that live or watch that live, I think it's on the fucking sick podcast on Instagram. I don't right? think I saved it though. Anyways, uh, well, the point being is that there's a lot of rhetoric Republicans have that Navajos are drawn to about like self-sufficient you know hardworking, you know bootstrap rhetoric that they are drawn to and maybe in some cases they see within the navajo history but they tend to disassociate it with the racism and classism that is the republican party as well as the democrats but mainly with the republican party a lot of republicans i've met kind of share that sentiment where it's like yeah, it's sovereignty. We don't want the federal government. I mean, if you look at Le- uh, most of Liza, uh, Leslie, if you if you look at Les- Liza's uh, speech, she's like, yeah, there's a big government. You know, big government's bad. To some extent, they do speak to a truth that is there, but it's so it's it's so simplified and it, it's oh, it's ahistorical that it's just like okay, I when you start to push them on how they would solve things, it's just like deregulation, deregulate de regularization oh my god i can't say that word <laughs> regularization how, regular is that how you that sounds so weird I, deregulation regulation deregulation, deregulation. Yeah. well like deregulation <laughs> right and then they're just like you got to open up a market you know and, and and there's some like instances where it's just like privatize everything you know and and maybe in another episode uh i'm not gonna even I, yeah like like you know turn everything into a commodity or, or some type of market and then, you know, you ask them, like, why don't you run? And that's about it. It's And generally, that's kind of how it works with Republicans is they can keep it very bare minimum of, like, they, they know their talking points and they know they have enough political power to just kind of force that. And Democrats kind of have to accept it. Like, there's definitely, when it comes to discourse and policy, the Republicans have a lot of power. I mean, yeah, this pandemic has shown that even with like the Democrats having a president and a majority of, I think the senator of the house, I can't remember, they still couldn't get much done. Yeah. God, like you're playing on their field. They set the rules, they set the terms of discourse and what's what you can and can't do that. It's just like, at this point, they're just going to keep going for the right because of that, like power, institutional power. Uh, they don't really have to have strong talking points. They can just be like, yeah, it's a culture war thing. 
But yeah. and and that's kind of how it is when you talk to Navajo Republicans is like uh, like you look at Karen Bedoni's platform it's just like protect the second amendment you know stronger border walls and it's like how are you going to do that we like they they don't really even need to think about that which is why I'd love to have them on the podcast and really pick their brain about it we should we should have laser in the podcast yeah I'll try to reach out but hey we got similar well, last names yeah yeah but like hey I think you're my uncle <laughs> anyways I, did you want to add anything any last comments about that no, I mean, uh, the whole, I mean, I guess my last comment is just Lizer, like, can be interesting to see uh, if he wins because of the redrawing of the district. And he's probably running just because it's, since it's redrawn to favor Republicans, that's probably why he's running on a Republican ticket. Yeah. That's what I kind of feel. But yeah. I would be really what surprised if he did. Yeah. Maybe we can get an Ace Hardware sponsorship. No, just kidding. <laughs> Bashes. Well, it's been good talking. You know, I do appreciate this. It's been a yeah. while. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, we'll see what happens and, and record more episodes later on. And, you know, we're getting back into it. So this podcast was a little bit more, or this episode is a little bit more, like, I guess, a little bit more, you know, father and stuff like that. But we'll, yeah. we'll definitely jump back into the loop of it because it's been a while <laughs> we should have, we should have started with like fatherhood and then transitioned to talking about like paternalism of like the federal government I mean, just kidding. now we should have and be like big gov sucks big gov sucks <laughs> the government is my stepdad and i don't approve of me <laughs> you like to look at two dogs when they're stuck together